I haven't seen a glass half full in many years. Uh, welcome, everybody, uh, if you're listening right now to the Waste of Potential podcast. This is something a little new uh, that's going to be kind of sprinkled in on our normal commentary tracks. We we tend to shit on movies in our podcast and say awful things, so the intent of these little episodes is to bring a little bit of positivity and love of movies <laughs> back into this podcast. Uh, so what we're going to do, this is called Glass Half Full. We're going to look back at movies we remember very fondly and discuss them. And this is going to be more of a positive light. So if you just want to hear us say and other terrible fucking things, uh, <laughs> just uh, go listen to any of those episodes. But uh, this is going to be a more short, positive idea. And uh, with me always is my partner, lover, creator, Ronnie. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I am your god. <laughs> Makes as much sense as the other one. Oh, f- <laughs> <laughs> glass half full. Glass half full. <laughs> uh, no. Well, welcome. And Ronnie, do you want to say what movie you brought to the table today? We were trying to debate which film should go first, but I guess we have to go with the absolute penultimate film of all time. Um, I chose. 1980s Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, I think it was pretty when that was said, like, yep, that's a great first one to start with. The The thing I noticed when we were choosing movies is, you know, as much as we shit on movies, there's a lot of movies we really like. <laughs> Which I think is good when you're talking about movies. And I would say there's more that we hate, but there's definitely a lot we like. I love a lot of films, but... um. We just have more fun together making fun of films that we, we don't but, like. Yeah, so Ronnie chose The Empire Strikes Back, and I can't agree more. Uh, this film, obviously, if you're listening, probably played a huge role in your love of movies. If you love sci-fi, obviously this movie sits at the top. I have yet to meet someone that dislikes it. Maybe they don't rate it as high as like New Hope or Return of the Jedi, in which they're fucking crazy, but... Yeah, Empire Strikes Back, excellent. So I guess we'll just start at the top here. Uh, when did you first see this movie, Ronnie? I think I spent most of my time when I watched this movie researching when I saw this because I couldn't remember, honestly. <laughs> so going back to like some little history of Star Wars, and in 1995, if you're like me, like my parents bought me the three VHS sets of of 95 of uh, star wars with like the three faces on there you had like yoda vader and uh, stormtrooper on there that was 95 but i distinctly remember seeing a new hope in 1997 when it was re-released in theaters i remember my mom taking my brother and i i don't know if i saw it 97 and then my parents bought those vhs's but i just remember watching it like a hundred times non-stop all these trilogies but i remember this is the one was my favorite as a kid. I liked a lot of things in Return of the Jedi. And as a kid, I, also, I was kind of bored in New Hope. But this is the one I would always watch just all the way through and kind of really love it. And side note, this movie turned 40 this year. I was going to say, with Empire Strikes Back in comparison to New Hope, New Hope is more your classic hero's journey. Um, Empire obviously has the luxury of picking up at the big part of that hero's journey. So it gets to start off with that obvious big bang that everyone remembers, that battle on Hoth. 
which is just so epic. It's like having a Helm's Deep battle to start your freaking movie. Yeah, see, that's the problem with the New Hope to me is after Obi Wan dies in a New Hope, I feel like the movie slows down for me. But I think it's just a personal preference because if you do listen to our podcast, you might have picked up on this one. I'm more into like themes and stuff, and Shane's really big into action. That's not like a downplaying Shane's like of movies, just saying that Shane likes the action. So I'm guessing you probably liked the New Hope, the ending probably more than the rest of it, right? Like Oh, uh, the trench run. I have a problem with with the New Hope is it can feel a little bloated. That the New Hope kind of bounces around real quick and that might be a little bit because I know that George Lucas planned a trilogy, but when you make your first movie, a lot of people plan trilogies. <laughs> but they never get that trilogy. So A New Hope had to be kind of self-contained. <laughs> it had to introduce our hero, have the hero's journey, and have a payoff at the end that ties it all up. Yeah, and on the going off what you are saying there, no one thought I was going to be the cultural staple that it is today. Like, a bunch of people gave him money, and they're like, "He's this is not going to be some kind of flop. It's never going to work. And then it just hit a point it just it lucked out and it had good editors and it made it became a cultural like ab, ab, like absolute it's ridiculous oh when you hear what george lucas wanted to do and uh, the star wars thing uh, george lucas always gets obviously he's the idea man you can't fault him for that but star wars stands as a pinnacle of the people around george lucas like what happens when you get a maniac with crazy ideas and people who can tame those ideas into something amazing is Star Wars. <laughs> I think he's a great ideas man because the original Star Wars is a lot of his ideas and then his editors and his wife gave him a lot of help in how to guide it to where he wanted to go. But you have to give him, he's a rebel. Like that's not, George Lucas today is not the George Lucas in the 70s and 80s where he would just be like, screw you. Because in Empire Strikes Back, he made a bunch of money, but he didn't get the money he wanted. So he he independently funded Empire Strikes Back, and then it cost him like $18 million out of his own pocket. And then obviously it made $440 million just in the original box office. So obviously he went gangbusters. Yeah, billions up to now. Yeah, movies are just too expensive now. Action movies and sci-fi movies to kind of do it yourself. There's there's people that have done it, but they're not. They don't change the world like Star Wars did. Uh, with the with the use of miniatures in that and everything, uh, Industrial Light and Magic, their roots spread from Star Wars into pretty much everything you've ever seen. They, I think. Uh, some of the people that went on most how it kind of spreads out is a lot of those people split off and did their own thing uh, or ILM did it just purely because I know some worked on Lord of the Rings uh, a lot of people went just anything you can think of ILM has its fingerprints on it and I think that's more the testament to Star Wars because a lot of people especially now oh, you want to stab them but they'll be like Star Wars, the old Star Wars are boring, prove me wrong, you know, or like, they don't hold up, they don't look as good, which, you're fucking crazy if you say they don't look good, that's like saying Jaws doesn't look good. There's scenes that don't look great, but they are of their time, and you kind of forgive them because there's something deeper going on here than just great visual effects. 
you get people that don't appreciate it, but they don't understand what there was nothing before Star Wars. This was it. It kind of changed the world. Like, I guess the closest comparison, maybe Lord of the Rings, the cultural explosion. We've kind of talked about when you first saw it. I also had the, uh, the three set. I had the gold remastered ones because my dad was a nerd like a huge Trekkie nerd. And I remember that coming to a point in my life where it was like, am I going to follow the Star Trek path or do I stay on the Star Wars path? <laughs> the, the the light or the dark side. Unfortunately, <laughs> I chose Star Wars. So now I just like action movies and I get bad grades. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really emotional too. <laughs> yeah. Like if only I just would have taken the Star Trek, I could have done something with my life. Instead, <laughs> <laughs> so we're hosting Wasted Potential podcast. Yeah, right? But I remember, like, my uncle would come over, and it would be, like clockwork, we had to watch uh, the Star Wars movies every time. So I have seen these movies way more than I'd like to admit, and (laughs) I do acknowledge and maybe have looked at the website Wikipedia. (laughs) (laughs) What was your recent reaction watching it this uh, last time? I guess one of the intentions with this question, because Shane and I were kind of creating these questions together, was like, what do we notice now different since we're revisiting them? Like, I think I saw this like two years ago. So then it's been two years, but now I'm like really looking for different things. I was thinking about Luke Skywalker a lot in this one, like how he's a very immature character, but I like that. He's not my favorite character, but all my favorite moments in the movie happen around him. So I think he's... The perfect character for Star Wars, even though he's not the most likable, in my opinion, but everything is happening to him, and we are experiencing what he's experiencing, so he's the perfect conduit into this world. It's very much the, like you said before, like the Joseph Campbell's the hero of the thousand faces, the hero's journey, kind of like he's our person going through, and we're experiencing the world along with him. So I was noticing that he's very immature, he makes a lot of mistakes. And from there, we get like our themes and deeper things from Luke. We'll never get it out now. So certain are you. Master, moving stones around is one thing. This is totally different. You want the impossible. I don't, I don't believe it. That is why you fail. Right, Luke is kind of a vanilla character. He gets a lot more in-depth, which is what you want from your character. And what I I noticed with him is you're you're right. He he does just enough to keep going, but he's always good in the end. You know, Uh, you can kind of peel back, get real nitty-gritty later about like, oh, maybe the dark side and yada yada. But like he's... He's the straight arrow you need. Uh, the love of the movie comes from all the side characters that, that paint the picture and create everything. And he is your, your steadfast thing you follow. Han Solo, which fucking people get, get this marvelism where they're like, oh, what if we learn about Han Solo? You don't want to learn about Han Solo because he wasn't created to be a depthful character. He was created to show up randomly in the movie and be the delightful rogue, not mm-hmm. a main character. Yeah, but 
I would go with disagreement because in this is the film where we get that depth from him where he like he he learns his lesson in the last film where he comes back to save Luke in this one where you figure out that he actually cares about Luke a lot because he risks his life for him he actually obviously cares about Leia a lot and he and he sacrifices himself again and says no like this I'm just watching this movie so the scene where Chewbacca's attacking the stormtroopers. Hey, listen to me, Chewie. Chewie, this won't help me. Hey, save your strength. There'll be another time. The princess, you have to take care of her. You hear me? Huh? I don't think it's like Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones isn't depthful. I think Hansel is a little more depthful thanks to this film. But then after this film, there's something else for him to develop. He should be done, but this is like his final film of like, this is all I'm going through. I'm a depthful character. I'm a surprise, like lovable character. And he's funny. He's great. Um, one thing I noticed uh, looking at this film was um, how many freaking like iconic things are in Empire. Like mm -hmm. when you think of New Hope, you think maybe the trench run. And you think maybe Obi Wan, you know, being killed or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. This movie has so many things from like Lando to I'm altering the deal, pray I do not alter it further. Like mm -hmm. to the hand chopped off, I am your father, the Hoth, like it is just dense. <laughs> There's not one moment. This is Star Wars. Empire Strikes Back is the penultimate perfect Star Wars film, like you said before. A New Hope sets it up. Empire is where everything is perfected. And after Empire, Star Wars shits the bed every uh. single time afterwards. There's some good ideas, but I feel like it never reaches this point again. This is just the perfect film, let alone perfect Star Wars film. Contrasting this one to the new shit is just Yoda. Yoda is the perfect contrast because you see how Yoda was made in this one. And it's because they couldn't have Yoda doing fucking flips and fighting things and stuff. I'm sure that's what happened. But, like, Yoda's simple. He's this crazy old man in the woods that speaks funny. Then through just conversation and slow reveals, you find out he's this powerful Jedi master who is hiding here. And he's wise beyond his look, like because like he looks like some kind of weird hermit, but he's actually the wisest character in the entire like, galaxy. Right, and I kind of like, on this recent viewing, is that Yoda, because you always get the people like, why didn't Yoda just go kick Vader's ass? <laughs> because Yoda is a pacifist through and through. He goes out of his way, like he has hidden himself away to avoid conflict like it's just not in his nature yes he's probably the most powerful being in the universe we don't know yoda is so wise that he knows this and yoda has rejected power he is the antithesis of the emperor if he was to go fight which he fucking does in the new star wars shit it undoes yoda's character this is where we get into nerd arguments <laughs> One nerd could say to you and say, well, he learned from his defeat from Sidious, you have to be a recluse. But that makes it worse, and it's, it's like, oh, you're telling me that instead of 800 years, Yoda learns the most important lesson, 
in the last 20 years of his life to not fight. Like, I don't, I don't buy that at all. I think it's annoying and it ruins his character. But also, too, does that make Yoda an unlikable person because he just bowed out and said and watched the empire take over or is it just or, or is it more like that's not yoda's place he has to train others to do that well first of all what you're forgetting <laughs> midichlorians have a half-life of 317 <laughs> years so that would mean yoda's midichlorian count is now below no um <laughs> What I think it is, and I think that it's actually kind of cool in this sense, is that Luke, as soon as he senses his friends in danger, is like, deuces, I gotta go save my friends. And Yoda's like, you're not ready, calm down, like, you're you're gonna screw this all up. And it's actually a little bit on Yoda, like, Yoda may have let them die to be mm-hmm. a pacifist, which can kind of be a negative toward him. Like, he's so unwilling to engage and stay above it all that it's not evil but borderline negligent you call it like neutral evil where it's like unintended kind of evil yeah like he won't go for what we naturally find good i don't want to get too much into this because this is where (laughs) star wars nerds will go to but that's the problem with the force is (laughs) is people complain about like, the more you delve into it, the more nonsensical it gets because, no offense to, like, Buddhists or Jainists or anyone of Eastern-like religion, it's very free-flowing, and that's where Lucas got this idea from, and the more you delve and get into it, the more mucky it gets. It gets confusing because it's, it's, like, it's like, hold the on. The web spreads. <laughs> For my ally is the Force, and the powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. Yes, even between the land and the ship. Shouldn't he care about saving things that are light and metaphysical too? Because if he's just sitting there in his little dig of a swamp, it's like, okay, well, you're not really helping. You're being, a, you're being almost so pacifist, like you said. He's almost a detriment. The rise of Skywalker is exactly what happens when you use the Force too much. It can do anything and anything to drive the plot and do what we want, like. I think that's just the progression of Star Wars is after you get through Return of the Jedi where you have Force Ghosts literally telling you exposition and the plot. It's like, where do you go from here? Well, now we can get double lightsabers and lightning and super fast (laughs) running. And then you get into healing powers and you get into so ridiculous things. It's like, ah, (laughs) just, just, just keep going, Star Wars. It's frustrating because like, the charm of the first three is that the when the Emperor shoots lightning, you go, oh my god, the force <laughs> is unstoppable. Yeah. And now we've got, like, pe- the Emperor, like, raising fleets and crushing them with his hand. You're like, oh, god. Let's stop like, talking about the Rise of Skywalker. That's uh, but the, the charm of this is, like, Yoda's so powerful. He mm-hmm. lifted a plane. Yeah. 
out of the water. That alone was <laughs> impressive because he's so little. But now, like you said, it's it's like exponentially grown to a point where it's like, oh, this is so outlandish even for this movie. Oh, so I see now, like, if a person had never seen this and they saw all the new stuff and they go, big fuck, big fucking deal. Yoda lifted water. Jesus. Well, once, once again, it depends what you like in film. I guess this is the podcast where we can kind of delve into, like, what we actually like. I'm a person who loves characters and themes. I like something really str- a strong theme. I like characters, and that's why it doesn't matter what Yoda does. To me, what's interesting is Yoda's little saying, because they don't always add up to make 100%, but there's a wisdom to it that Luke is absorbing, and the audience is absorbing, and then, like I was finishing up Luke's immaturity discussion, he doesn't take that advice, and because of that, he suffers, which goes into my next point is, uh-huh. this movie is bleak. Oh, this yeah. movie hits so many points. Like you started off with Luke almost dying from a yeti. It's called a wampa, I know. <laughs> then you have um, him crash landing. R two D two almost being eaten by um, by like plastic crocodile. Uh, Han Solo being kidnapped, thrown in carbonite. Mm-hmm. Luke losing a hand, realizing the biggest truth in the entire world that his father is the is Hitler. So it's it's just like you have so much bleakness. And no one's really good. Like, Lando betrays them. He has a redemption, but he fucking betrays them. Yeah, like, everything is just, like, set up so dark. You're like, fuck, we're done, man. There's a second Death Star. Yeah, well, like, in a three-act structure of something, the second act ends on a downer. And it does. It ends hopeful. Mm-hmm. It ends with, like, the Luke standing there with uh, Leia and everyone else. And it shows like a nebula or some kind of solar system, and it's ends hopeful. But man, if you really delve into it, it's very much just a dark, bleak kind of like, oh, I don't leave this feeling a hundred percent because Luke makes out with his sister. <laughs> <laughs> because like uh, it throws you in the ringer of like, hey, your main character who you identify with, maybe you don't like him fully, but you identify with him. He realized that his dad is, like, awful. He cut his hand off, killed his surrogate father, his aunt and uncle, and is the worst person in the galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> Literally the worst. People, to this day, because a lot of people uh, know the plot twist, don't understand or can't even imagine what it was like the first viewing when Vader goes, I am your father. If you only knew the power of the dark side... Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told me you killed him. No. I am your father. Search your feelings. You know it to be true. No! No! I still get chills. This time, this morning watching it, I got chills. I was like, oh, this just brings back of like that gut punch of absolute is like everything you believe is taken away from you. And this is what I feel bad about with, with the Ryan Johnson... Is Ryan Johnson? Ryan Johnson film, The uh, Last Jedi, is they tried to go for that gut punch of Luke turning his back and, like, the other things, and they could never capture that ever again, coming down from that huge reveal of, like, 
what you believe is false. Oh, it's such a great, like a pit in your stomach feeling. <laughs> Subvert your expectations. <laughs> and you never, uh, you couldn't copy that. All your trickeries and, and writing cannot top, no, I am your father. Nope. It's literally, it was the biggest reveal. Game of Thrones think it had something. It still didn't hit the way that I am your father hit. Last thing that I noticed when this previous reviewing is Vader's menace. This is sadly the last time that Darth Vader is menacing ever. Because mm-hmm. in Return of the Jedi, he has a redemption and he's not really terrifying. But this one, he's killing his admirals. He's murdering people. He's like, I don't care. Throw, throw Han Solo in the carbonite. Hey, Lando, screw your deal. I've altered the deal. He's just like complete badass and like menacing. And he barely moves. And does yeah. all this. That's the thing. Like, people don't understand. He doesn't need to fucking karate chop and spinning back kick someone through a window to be menacing. He literally just, like, holds up two fingers. And someone's like, <laughs> you know. That or he's one-handedly fighting Luke, not caring. And then he realizes that Luke's powerful. Then he grabs those two hands and he starts bashing the shit out of him. And it's like, okay. That's when you know he's just... Yeah, well, I was, was going to get into that and be like... Like, what's your favorite lightsaber fight scene? I'm just like, it's got to be this one. It's just, it's just like that tone change where he's like messing around. Then Luke shows his prowess, and Vader comes at him down that hallway and starts beating him. I'm like, oh, this is good. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, or just like he, you can see when he's done toying with him, and he just like starts throwing everything at him and like just abusing him. And and yeah, like no, they don't twirl. And, and do all this rapier shit. He literally, like a baseball bat, batters him into the ground. Like, you, you get something from this scene. You can see stuff. More than an hour and a half fight between young Vader and Obi-Wan. <laughs> Jumping through Disneyland. Also, this time I was noticing how great the scenes with, like, Han Solo, Leia, Chewie, and... C-3PO are when they're just like avoiding capture from the Empire. I love those scenes. It's it's great character development where they're all back and forth with each other. Prepare to make the jump to light speed. They're getting closer. Oh yeah? Watch this. Watch what? We're in trouble. If I may say so, sir, I noticed earlier the hyperdrive motivator has been damaged. It's impossible to go to light speed. We're in trouble. Where's our booster? On the asteroid, they're hiding on the... Sh- yeah, there's... It's, it's a fun adventure. Yeah, first... I you, can't talk enough about how great <laughs> this movie is. Oh, yeah. I And, like, it's just classic because I, I always think of Indiana Jones, too. And I'm like, when you create simple, fun characters we like to watch, you earn your action. They, they aren't just into action. Yes, this movie starts off with just action, but it earned it through the first movie you know you you don't get the fight until he's trained with yoda he's talked with yoda he's learned the differences 
there's all this setup to the fight. And you don't get that very much anymore. It's just like, come on, kick, get to the ass kicking. That's what I think is the detriment of comparing this to Star Wars or A New Hope specifically. Is just New Hope mm-hmm. is much slower. And then, like you said, this one kicks it off and is never stopping. It is it's never boring. Even the dialogue scenes are interesting because the characters are discussing what's going on. And it gets intricate and it adds more to the world there. So that's the detriment of the New Hope. And that's why Empire shines. Like you said, start off with action. First thing that happens, Luke Skywalker is attacked by a freaking snow monster. It's awesome. <laughs> that's the first thing that happens. In defense of A New Hope, though, you can't have a book start off with, if you don't know the characters, you can't just be like, and the dragon was here! Like, <laughs> you you have to sit for 80 pages in Hobbiton learning where Frodo came from to understand later in the book why he misses everything and why he's such a fish out of water, because you know where he came from. Sure, but you could... Well, like, Star Wars, actually, take that back. New Hope starts off really big. You have those big... You have that big action scene, so I think... Yeah, oh, so yeah. I'm pretty sure Star Wars has always started off with action. I, I'm just, I think of the slow parts, like when you get introduced Luke Skywalker in the in New Hope. That's slower. You could be introducing him, which don't don't stab me, but maybe it was more like a like a speeder race. I know pod races. I don't want to get into Phantom Menace, but but, <laughs> but but like like we're establishing that Luke's a good pilot, maybe. So it's a little more exciting. You could do that. I'm not saying remake Star Wars. I'm just saying there is more things you could have done to make it more interesting and engaging but once again we're not talking about new hope we're talking about empire what i'm hearing is you needed a some sort of lizard creature that talks funny <laughs> <laughs> like uh i'm thinking a, a bungan <laughs> some kind of you know he talks kind of like a, a jamaican maybe <laughs> let's uh, let's not get into this conversation <laughs> So you're saying Jar Jar Binks needs to be more included. In the... <laughs> oh, God, could you... I'm sure it exists, a dub where Jar Jar is in A New Hope. And... <laughs> Misa, gonna ruin your legacy. <laughs> ah, Misa, cold! This place is gonna blow! <laughs> wow. If we were real monsters and we hated um, humanity and we were better film editors, we'd just edit Jar Jar into Empire <laughs> throughout of it just to, like, ruin it. I am your father. Oh! No! <laughs> yeah, can you imagine undercutting that one? <laughs> yeah, like it, oh, God. it immediately goes from. He told me you killed him. No, I am your father. We've talked about our reaction, and we've kind of talked about all the things we love, but let's boil it down, because people love lists. <laughs> what are three things that you loved specifically about Empire Strikes Back? I already mentioned before I love themes. The themes in this I got are um, basically fear. It's fearing what you be- can become or a fear of loss. Luke is just dealing with, um, he's afraid of becoming Darth Vader when he goes into the cave. He attacks Vader that were. Anger and hate can can uh, that fear can lead you to becoming your worst enemy, and then also you have Luke's afraid of losing his friends, so then he circumvents his training and makes a huge mistake. Once again, he learns from this mistake and he becomes a Jedi from this mistake. He has to confront Vader. That's his big overarching thing. But because he doesn't listen to the like the wisdom of Yoda, 
he suffers more than he possibly had to. But that's the whole point of it is the themes of fear. I love those themes of what's going on because you have uh, Leia's afraid of losing Han. Han's afraid of losing Leia. You have Luke's afraid of of losing his friends in general. I love those themes. I would say love Yoda, love no Death Star. (laughs) The only Star Wars (laughs) movie without a Death Star. Yeah, for fuck's sake. It's so refreshing not to have a super weapon that's going to destroy us all. I don't know. The Empire itself is not really that terrifying because they constantly make mistakes. But when Vader helms it in this film, it is definitely menacing. But, like, the entire time he's killing his admirals because they keep screwing up. (laughs) So, like, the Empire is never really efficient when you (laughs) really see that in Return of the Jedi. Has a real, real leadership issue. This guy graduated top of his class and took over a ship. Unfortunately, Vader got bad chicken that day. Unfortunately, uh, Colonel Sanders jumped out of uh, light speed too quickly. And then he's like, <laughs> I think this is a smart tactical decision. You're an idiot! <laughs> you know, I hate to bring in politics, but I kind of picture this like if Donald Trump could choke people to death. <laughs> this is how he would handle his administration. <laughs> <laughs> you idiot! <laughs> Going off what you said, um, who is who's who's your favorite character, Vader or Yoda? Which one do you like better in this one? I, I was having a hard time pick. Man, that's really tough because Yoda is perfect in this. He he makes you laugh, gives sage advice, but I'm gonna say Vader because I feel like Yoda is really just a muppet. I mean, I guess he is a Muppet. <laughs> Vader took a little more effort in, in actual writing. Yoda is a Jim Henson product. Not exactly Jim Henson, but a Jim Henson acolyte. I think Yoda is so disappointing in Return of the Jedi mm-hmm. that I'm going to pick him for my favorite character in this one because Vader still has good scenes in Jedi, but it's not as interesting. But I think Yoda probably my favorite. I just love his... Yoda-isms and his wisdom and I, and I love that like you mentioned before you, I love that character shift where he's messing with Luke he's seeing what he's like and then when he realizes that Luke's this bratty impatient teenager why must you become Jedi? Hmm? <laughs> mostly because of my father I guess huh? father? how for Jedi was he? how <laughs> mm, for Jedi oh, come on how could you know my father? you don't even know who I am no, I don't even know what I'm doing here. We're wasting our time. I cannot teach him. The boy has no patience. He will learn patience. Hmm. <clears throat> Much anger in him. Like his father. Was I any different when you taught me? I'm just thinking nowadays how many scenes of tension would have just been undercut by some stupid comedy. Like, I am your father, and he's just like... <laughs> like, or just... Wait, like like my stepdad? Or like my real dad? Your real dad. No! <laughs> See, Steve, there's a lot of comedy in this. I noticed that, too. Like, uh, Han is a lot... Is even some slapstick. There's a point where, like, uh, the tools fall down and hit him. There's a scene that I love when um, C-3PO tells Han what's wrong with the hyperdrive. And he goes, yeah, whatever. <laughs> then he looks at Chewie and goes, yeah, 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 
Figure it out. It's it's clever and it's not too much. Yeah, or, um, what's his name? Lawrence Kasdan and um, oh, her name is something Bennett. They are much better writers than Ryan Johnson. And then and then Lando has my favorite line of comedy in the in, this, in the movie when he says, um, "Having trouble with your drug? No, no problem. Why?" Last thing I, I love about this film, you mentioned the two things, is, and I really appreciate this thing. This one is I really appreciate the Han Solo and Leia romance. I think as a kid, I didn't care about that. And I always, as a teenager, I was kind of always like, eh, whatever. I think I appreciate it more now, like, the complexities of, like, like she doesn't want to love him. But she does because he seems like a, she calls him a scoundrel and a nerf herder. But really, he has... A thief of the heart of gold so she actually loves him and then he's a little more vulnerable with her he's a little more pushing it kind of like come on tell me you love me you know you do so i, I think i appreciate it more i think i appreciate i think i just appreciate carrie fisher and harrison ford's portrayals so much more than i ever have really they really had fun uh and they have a lot of chemistry it's just natural but how could you not with young harrison ford my god i guess my last thing would be uh this is more of a meta love, but I don't know everything about everything in that fucking film. I don't know that these things are powered by fucking kyber crystals or some bullshit. I don't know <laughs> that the random bounty hunter is IG-88 and he's got this whole fucking story and birth and Boba Fett's, got, you know, dad was the genetic predecessor to stormtroopers. I, I don't know any of this shit. It's just love. It's just <laughs> random, easy things. It hasn't been nerded to death. I don't know what lightsabers are powered by, or that Qui-Gon is watching over all this. Like, <laughs> I just, or that, that Vader loved Padme. Like, I just, I just have. It just is, and it's nice. It's not convoluted. Nope. It's, it's just... Nice. I don't know that Han used to date the Sith. <laughs> okay, um, here's a trivia question. Who's Lobot in this? Who's the character of Lobot? Uh, oh, oh, the the dude with the head thing? Hey, there you go. He's, he's Lando's, like, uh, Lando's like, ser- like robot manservant thing. Yeah, I don't know that he has three divorces. One of them was Padme's sister. <laughs> <laughs> and... I think that's what what's made Star Wars specifically Empire Strikes Back so like long lasting and enduring because it's the series forty years it's been out it's been in um, circulation it's just like I think it's simple but the touches are intricate enough to make you see a depthful picture of a very simple story and I, I think that's what makes this movie so great it's a simple hero's journey in space again it's a sequel but. It's, I, in my opinion, it's the perfect sequel. Now, to the blasphemous part. Yeah. What would you change? One thing you'd change about this film. Here's a question I had this time around, and I was thinking, and this is, this is a, maybe it's time for you and I to, to do some fan fiction here. Mm. What would have happened if Luke stayed away and trained with Yoda, if he didn't go to Vespin and uh, the Cloud City? Because here's a scenario I played in my head, and you can stop me when I get too outlandish. I was thinking, one, it would add a weird tension later when Luke shows up to maybe rescue Leia from Vader or from someone else. Because, like, 
under the impression Han Solo still goes to Tatooine. But Lando helps Leia escape, so maybe Luke, like, finds her, and then, like, there's that tension of, like, she's mad at him. And then, instead of having the entire movie of Return of the Jedi just be saving Han Solo, boring Endor, and then final confrontation... You have Luke has to go deal with his transgressions, talk to Leia, rebuild that relationship. They have to, like, escape some kind of prison, maybe. Then they all have to go to Tatooine and get him away from Jabba. And then you, and it ends, finally, with the confrontation with, um, with Vader and Luke at some point instead. But I don't know. What do you think? Mm. Yeah, because, really, Luke did nothing. Like, they all escaped on their own. Like, he just fell right into the trap. <laughs> and that's kind of the whole point of it is, like, like because of his fear, he suffers because of that. Not to give, like, the Phantom Menace anything, that the fear leads to suffering thing. But this, the reality is, like, he wasn't listening to wisdom, and that's why he suffers. Because everyone else was kind of screwed regardless. Solo chose to go to Cloud City, and then Lando chose to betray them. But... It might add more tension. We might get more Yoda scenes, actually, in Return of the Jedi instead of just him dying. And, like, there's always that tension where he could have been with Yoda. Like, I could have stopped all that. Even though, mm-hmm. when he did go, it didn't stop all that. He wouldn't know that. He would think that he could have. And, and also, in Return of the Jedi, when Luke shows up as a Jedi, and he looks all, like, decked out in black, and he's, like, all kind of, like, um... A Jedi, when he goes into Jawa's palace, it's a little more earned. We see a little more development because when Luke leaves Yoda, he's immature and he fails. But we don't get to see Luke's redemption. Mm-hmm. So instead of even having that redemption, you have him just dealing with... He thinks Han's dead. or Maybe he thinks Leia's dead or something like that. So he's dealing with that because then that would tie in more to the, the last Jedi of Luke feeling... Like, regrets. Maybe he's dealing with those later. I don't know. I, that's what popped into my head. If I actually wanted to change something, I wouldn't have Luke have a robot hand. I think it undercuts the whole thing of him losing mm. the hand. And it's like, oh, here. You got a new one. Yeah, <laughs> right. Ooh. People won't like some stubby guy. No. Mm. See, that's the problem is, like, I guess the robot hand is a reminder. But, you know, it's a bigger reminder. Not having a freaking hand. Like, that's a better reminder of your transgressions. They wanted to show that he's becoming vader or that it's slowly the seed is there he's already more machine than man (laughs) yeah it it works it works like i don't disagree with it but that's the only thing that popped in my head is what would would happen if luke stayed away actually yeah i was about to say like that goes against luke though if he didn't go like if alec guinness was like don't be stupid luke he'll kick your ass and he's like you're right (laughs) I know I'm right. <laughs> I think I don't think I would change it. I think it's just in my my weird brain when I was rewatching this. Like, what if he didn't? Like, how would that kind of change everything? Mm. But it's like you said, it's better for the character that he fails. He has to learn from that terrible mistake. What about you? What would you change? Well, we can't do this podcast without some reason to get canceled. How do we get Carrie Fisher into Jabba's dress? Like, <laughs> how do we sexualize Carrie Fisher more? Um, no. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of what I would really... Because this is a hard one. It's like, I really don't want to change anything. Yeah, because if you change things, you become George Lucas, and it gets more obnoxious. Can we replace everything with walkie-talkies? Like, instead of... <laughs> 
What was irritating me this time is what I was noticing, the changes. Because I have the Blu-rays, and the Blu-rays are the 2004 remasters, which are really obnoxious. But the, the one I, was, I watched Disney Plus today, and then Disney Plus did the 2007 remaster uh. of, of Empire, where 2007 took out the Luke screaming when he falls, which is really nice, because when he falls, it's super annoying. goes, ah! ah! But, when he, but, but when he falls, he falls really weird into like a shaft. I'm like, this doesn't look right. It, yeah. it, it never felt right, but that, it could be... It could have been the air pressure, like the, the wind was pulling him out of that shaft. I don't know. That was always like, eh, that's a weird kind of falling thing. But whatever, it's 1980. Yeah. I guess what you could add with that is instead of just like, oh, how convenient. Like, mm-hmm. maybe just like, oh, I don't know. I wouldn't like that either. Never mind. <laughs> okay, well, let, let's end on something we forgot to talk about. We forgot to talk about the most important character that is introduced in this film. Do you know who I'm talking about? Uh, the Emperor? Yeah! yeah. We, we get the Emperor. Yeah. And then if you watch anything besides the 1995, it's going to be... No, no, no. If you watch anything after 2004, it's Ian McDermott. They, the original Emperor is taken out and they put Ian McDermott in there instead. Mm. Which, I love Ian McDermott, but I remember as a kid, like, that's not who that was. That's not <laughs> you. God, he's just... So good. Like, the villains are so good. The Emperor is perfect because he's... Even in Return of the Jedi, he's... I want to say he's not overused. Like, he's just... And he's simple. He just... Ah, yes. Mm, I'm evil. He's... Well, he's he's just pure... He's just Hitler. He's just evil Hitler with so much power that he can just torture and be awful. So he's delightful. He's only in one scene of this. So he's not overused. Mm -hmm. But they introduce him... I'm just like, yes. <laughs> he could be a ally. But, I don't know. Is Here's my question. Is this the greatest movie of all time? Um, it's definitely up there. I don't know if it's the, like... I have a problem saying something's the greatest movie of all time because there's genres, mm-hmm. there's different things. Sure. Um, it's a pinnacle, though. It's a Mount Rushmore movie, for sure. At the very least, we could probably agree it's... Probably, in my opinion, it's the best sequel ever. If you think on a most continuity character plotline, it's the best sequel. Everyone likes The Godfather Part 2, but I have a South Park for one. But I think this is the best sequel of all time. Yeah, plus, I mean, the South Park movie is probably the best movie ever made. So... I just constantly think about how South Park and like Family Guy and, and, and Spaceballs has ruined Star Wars for me. So every time I watch these movies, I'm just like, that was a great joke when um when uh, was uh, who's, who's John Candy's character plays the Chewbacca character? He plays um, oh, Barf. Yeah. He plays Barf, and I'm just constantly like, I I want John Candy instead of Chewbacca <laughs> walking around there making sexual innuendo oh, jokes. Oh God, this is a hard movie to talk about because I don't I don't know this. I guess we can end on this note. Do you think a kid seeing this movie today would find as much value as we did when we saw this 20 years ago for the first time? As a parent, it is your responsibility to make sure that before they see any other of these shitty movies, they see the originals first so they can grow their love like we did. And then they can also see what shit this new stuff is. I think if you do it in reverse... (laughs) Their childhood sensibilities will be like, oh my god, and like it'll it'll ruin it. Cause like to this day, I'm still fighting a partial love for the Phantom Menace. 
the adult in me oh sees it and wants to throw something, but then the nine-year-old in me who saw it in theaters remembers it fondly. So it's like, I'm torn, the light and the dark. But if see the original movies first, then it you're not going to not love them. No one does, unless they're adults who have already been warped and changed into something you can't recognize. <laughs> become more CGI than man. It's 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 hard because... I could see someone saying A New Hope is boring, but I don't see how they can say that Attack of the Clones isn't boring. Because here's, even as a kid, I have owned until the prequels and the originals, I have owned all Star Wars movies up until The Force Awakens except for Attack of the Clones. Oh, even as a kid, a that movie bored me. Yeah. So like, so like, sure, you can say Star Wars is boring, but you can't say the prequels are not boring as well then. Because, like, my wife doesn't like Star Wars. She can't stand it. She doesn't understand it. So I can see that, but she doesn't... She won't go, yeah, I like these even more boring ones in this one. I guess now is a good time to talk about your pending divorce over Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> your Honor, she hates The Empire Strikes Back. She is entitled to no compensation. <laughs> <laughs> not my court, madam. No. <laughs> I just picture, like, the dancing scene at the end of Endor. Just, yeah, woo! <laughs> uh, or um or uh, or Jar Jar Binks uh Misa gonna be free Misa gonna be free <laughs> Hi honey love you <laughs> uh, Okay how do we end this Um How should we end this Like I know in our regular podcast we give a preview but I don't think we should do that But how should we end these podcasts Join us next time when we talk about Beethoven <laughs> Beethoven's second <laughs> With the the hit song "Roll Over Beethoven," <laughs> <laughs> or uh, or "Rock Me Beethoven," yeah. Watch as we talk about Amadeus. <laughs> I'm trying to do an Amadeus joke. I don't think I landed. Ah, <laughs> oh, "Rock Me Amadeus." Oh, I, I get it. I get yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Fuck. Yeah. It's it's a great way to end your podcast when you don't understand the joke. Okay, I don't know. Quick. This is a positive podcast. It's not what we do. I know, right? Go listen to our other shit and don't get bad. Rudy will make you mad. <laughs> <laughs> or enjoy yourself a nice Bloody Mary because it is 8 in the morning and I'm drinking a Bloody Mary. Huzzah! Till next time. Maybe we could add like a little Star Wars like you know just enough so that we don't get like hit by Disney. Uh, <laughs> I'll do a knockoff. <laughs> like song. Like, like John we didn't even talk about the John Williams score. Oh, the how, John Williams how, score. How, impe- how important the Imperial March is to like, the menacingness of Vader. My god. This is pinnacle, Williams. I mean, Jurassic Park is excellent, but Star Wars is the top. Oh, it's so good. That's how we'll end that. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you, Disney. Fuck you! <laughs> there we go. Don't worry, Star Wars fans frighten easily, but they'll be back, and in greater numbers. Never tell me I'll fall the glass.
You may fire when glass is half full. Bring me the glass half full, Vader. I want that glass full. Bring me a half full glass. <laughs>